You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. to the Nick and Nolan Show, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast with your host, Nick Bat. Sometimes I'll start a sentence and I don't even know where it's going. I just hope I find it along the way. And Bruce Nolan. I once worked with a guy for three years and never learned his name. Best friend I ever had. Welcome everybody and thank you for joining me for this edition of the Nick and Nolan Show. A Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I am your host, Bruce Nolan. And today, we're going to take a journey together. It's a journey that's been a long time coming, quite frankly. It's a journey that started for a lot of us way back in the college spring games. It's a journey that I'm excited to conclude with you as members of Bill's Mafia and the draft community at large. It's a journey I thought I was going to have a co-host for. I thought I'd have a co-pilot, but Nick has a personal emergency that he has had to attend to, so you're getting me solo for a very, very, very long time, and I'm sorry. This is going to be a marathon, Bill's Mafia, because this is the longest two-part pod, historically, that we do every year, and I was expecting to have somebody to bounce ideas off of. So I sure hope that I am interesting enough to keep your attention for the entirety of this mock draft podcast. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it is the final countdown, the mock draft Nick and Nolan podcast. Now, for those of you who were not following us last year at this time when we were the Bills backers pod, we do a full 32 pick mock draft all the way up to the Bills pick. Now, in this case, we're going to do 54 picks all in one megapod. Now, this is going to be split up into two parts for digestible purposes, but we're going to go through all of all the picks, all 54 of them at the Bills pick, and then we're going to go through the remainder of the Bills pick. I actually did a 255 pick mock draft every single pick and it's on the buffalo rumblings.com website and at buffalo rumblings on twitter and that's where this comes from every year i do a big 255 round 255 pick holy crap can you imagine 255 rounds 255 pick mock draft now obviously sometimes there's 256 but a full seven round mock draft with trades and lines of thinking and everything now thankfully I was able to use the draftnetwork.com's simulator to do this one, which helps me keep notes a little bit better. So big shout out to the draftnetwork.com and to Joe Marino and to Kyle Krabs and Benjamin Solak and everyone there who has helped contribute toward that website being able to assist me because it really shortened down my time that I normally spend on this mock draft. Last year, I think I was over 20 hours spent on the mock draft. This year, only about 12 hours on this mock draft. And that's primarily because of the mock draft simulator that allowed me to do the trades in there. Now, that's the next point that we have to make sure that we talk about, is that if you think the trade seems light or heavy, it is based entirely on the approved compensation from the model in the mock draft simulator. So I actually made a pitch to another team 
and they took it or they didn't take it. And the point of this mock draft is to be predictive. This is not what Bruce wants. Last year, if you recall, I had us taking DK Metcalf, which was not what I wanted, but it was what I thought was going to happen. I was clearly wrong. And that's the fun of this. The fun of this is not in the joy of being right when you predict something. It's about following through on the mental exercise necessary to get to that part. It's the process. It's about, I know process, right? Buzzword, Sean McDermott would be very happy with me right now. But it's about the process of achieving the desired result. So I actually put on my GM hat every single time a pick was to be made and said, okay, now I'm the Cincinnati Bengals. Now I'm the Washington Redskins. Now I'm the Detroit Lions. And so I'm going to go through all those picks. And I'm going to try to make a predictive decision on what I think they will do based on what I know about that team, that GM, that coach, tendencies, things like that. So if you're ready, we're going to kick this bad boy off. We are going to do all 32 picks in the first round today. And that will be the entire. So there won't be any Bills picks today. Spoiler alert, we're not going to trade up in the in the first round in this particular example. And we're going to go through all of them, take all the players off the board that we think are being gone. And then tomorrow, we're going to do all the way up to 54. And we're going to do the rest of the seven rounds with Bills and other teams and trades. And it's going to be madness. Madness, I tell you. And make sure you're at buffalorumblings.com for Thursday morning. I will drop the entire thing. The reason we didn't drop the entire thing on buffalorumblings.com on Wednesday is because then it would be a spoiler for Thursday's podcast. So here we go. With the first pick in the 2020 NFL draft, the Cincinnati Bengals select Joe Burrow. Now, I know there's been discussion. There's some, some very light rumors behind the scenes that Miami wants to come up and get this pick and get Joe Burrow. I think Cincinnati would require at least all three first-round picks. I don't know if Miami's going to go that high, and I really don't want them to, quite frankly. I I need Cincinnati to just go ahead and take Joe Burrow, make sure he's not in the division. I don't have to worry about him moving forward for the next 10 years. I mean, for goodness sake, we just got rid of Tom Brady, so I don't really want to have to mess with that for a while. Cincinnati, in this example, does not overthink it. They go with Joe Burrow, quarterback, LSU. With the second pick, Washington takes Chase Young, edge, Ohio State. Now, again, we're not going to overthink this. Chase Young, if the number one overall team did not need a quarterback, Chase Young would probably be that player. He is everything that you wanted from a defensive end as far as skill set, explosion, size. I think there's a very Miles Garrett solid comparison with Chase Young. And I think that he doesn't come out quite as nuanced as I think Nick Bosa did. But I think he's more athletic. I think he's more explosive. And I think it's a, it's a no-brainer for Washington. With the third pick, the Detroit Lions select Jeffrey Okuda, cornerback, Ohio State. Now, there's been some discussions about the Lions trading down from this pick. Now, here are my thoughts on it. The Lions have to win now. They have to win right now. So if they did trade down, they wouldn't take future picks. They would take the picks this year. They need players right now. They need to save their jobs. And getting future picks does not help the current regime if they're not going to be here. So I'm sitting on the clock at number three overall. I don't think the Lions are going to trade this pick. Not because they don't want to. I think they'd love to get five and a first round pick from Miami. But I don't think they're going to get it. Miami's going to look and say, listen, I'm okay with Herbert. I'm okay with Tua. The Giants are going to take one. So I'm not going to trade a ton of assets to get up two spots to ensure myself a quarterback when I'm okay with either one of the other quarterbacks. So in this case, Detroit stays put. They get an immediate impact starter in that secondary with Jeffrey Okuda. The fourth overall pick, the New York Giants select Isaiah Simmons, linebacker, Clemson. Dave Gettleman does not care about your positional value, folks. He does not care. He gives zero craps about your positional value. 
So if you want to take an off-ball linebacker at number four overall who's a freak athlete, you're going to do it. And that's what I think Dave Gettleman's going to do. I think a lot of people are talking about offensive tackle. Historically, Dave Gettleman waits on tackles. I know he loves the hog mollies, right? He loves the beef, and everyone's connecting that. But if you look at his draft history, he doesn't necessarily always take them high. So I think he's got, he loves freak athletes, right? He is the guy who had a legendary linebacking core in Carolina, led by Luke Keekley, led by Thomas Davis. You know, Shaq Thompson was there as well. And this is someone who believes in the power of off-ball linebackers. When you have Isaiah Simmons, who is the freakiest of the freak, I think that it's going to be too much for him to pass up. With the fifth overall pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Miami Dolphins select Justin Herbert, quarterback, Oregon. Again, the tank for Tua thing ends up going by the wayside in this scenario. I think the Miami Dolphins, there's enough smoke around this that I believe it, that the Miami Dolphins would take Herbert over Tua. I think one of the things that you get that sort of swings it in this direction is I think getting the ball out of Herbert's fan hands fast in the Changeli offense probably helps. Now, I would make an argument that Tua would be great in that offense, right? You think about someone who's a more accurate uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, someone who had his career year under Chan Gailey in Buffalo, someone who gets the ball out quickly, who processes quickly, someone who does RPOs really well. I think that's, that's a better fit for Tua. However, I think that when you have a regime who thinks they have time, you're willing to invest a pick in someone who's a little bit raw. I have previously said that I think that Justin Herbert is a more polished Josh Allen coming out of the draft. So being in the top five here does not shock me. And he goes to Miami. With the number six overall pick in the 2020 NFL draft, the Los Angeles Chargers select Tua Tungavailoa, quarterback, Alabama. Los Angeles gets the guy to replace Phillip Rivers. I am not buying the we're rolling with Tyrod as a long-term guy. I think Tyrod is the perfect quarterback to have in front of Tua if you think that there is concerns about Tua's health. I do think that is a real concern. I don't think it's just the hip. I think people are getting focused on just the hip, but there is more than just the hip associated with Tua. And when you have that many injuries in college, there is a concern. And I think that it's going to cause Miami to pass on him. And I think the Los Angeles Chargers are going to sit there and go, well, thank you. I'll take that right now. There's been some talk about Tua falling out of the top 10. I think it's entirely possible. We see medical red flags stop people from going in the top 10 all the time. But quarterback is too premium of a position. And the Los Angeles Chargers are too fortuitous of a position in order for them to pass on Tua. With the number seven overall pick, the Carolina Panthers select C.J. Henderson, cornerback, Florida. Carolina is under new leadership, and I can't seem to figure out if they're tanking or if they're in it because they oscillate back and forth. They'll make a maneuver that makes me think, okay, they're in it to win it this year. They're, they're going to try and rebuild on the fly. They're going to try and make the playoffs in the first year of a rebuild, a.k.a. Buffalo Bills in 2017, but no. That's not what they're doing. Then they'll oscillate back and they'll be like, okay, now, now they're now they're clearly tanking, right? Trading, trading Trey Turner. Trading Trey. I kind of wonder. I feel like if he was a really, really good player, there'd be a 30 for 30 at some point called trading Trey right there. But trading him makes very little sense for a team that is trying to win now. But at the same time, they got a player back who I, th I thought was a lesser player. So I don't really know what they're doing sometimes. I, I think that some the left hand may not know what the right hand's doing. I don't really know. But here's what I do know. Matt Rule believes in freaky athletes. He says, you get me freaky athletes and I will coach them up. C.J. Henderson, there are plenty of teams in the NFL that think C.J. Henderson is CB1. I'm not convinced. He's not my CB2 or my CB1 personally, but I value the fact that he's allergic to tackling. I value that more than a lot of teams in the NFL do. Some teams don't really care if somebody is allergic to tackling. That's not really important to them. Well, it's important to me, but C.J. Henderson is a fluid and freaky cover athlete, and the Carolina Panthers haven't had one of those in a little bit. He's a market upgrade 
from Bradbury who left, and you can get what I think is a better player on a cost-controlled contract for the next four years, Carolina takes C.J. Henderson, corner, Florida. With the eighth overall pick, the Arizona Cardinals select Javon Kinlaw, interior defensive line, South Carolina. I know Kinlaw over Brown. Well, there's some concern about Brown's ability to penetrate and really be a dynamic pass rusher at the next level. Kinlaw comes with him some injury concerns. And I do wonder if this is one of those scenarios where I could be way off. This is a scenario where, if you remember last year, I had the Jaguars taking Jawan Taylor. The Jaguars did take Jawan Taylor. However, there were some medical red flags that came out after I recorded the the pod, and they dropped him all the way through the first round, and they got him at the top of the second. So I was right on the team and the player, but not of the pick. I do wonder if this is a Javon Kinlaw thing, depending on how serious they are concerned about his knee tendonitis. Brian Brodus, who is a a draft guy who's very well plugged in, works with the uh, works a lot with the Cowboys. Brian Brodus is was on the radio not too long ago talking about how there's concern that maybe there's a hip with Javon Kinlaw. I haven't heard that, but it makes me wonder if this is a scenario where he might fall through. However, the Arizona Cardinals, I really feel like could go interior defensive line here with Kinlaw or Brown, or they could go offensive tackle, someone like Tristan Wirfs. But with them re-signing DJ Humphreys to the $15 million a year contract that they did, I do wonder if they don't double down on that position and take Werfs, but that defense was not good last year. And finding interior penetrators is a real quick way to be able to upgrade your defense. I think Javon Kinlaw is the pick in this case. With the number nine overall pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Jacksonville Jaguars select Derek Brown, interior defensive line, Auburn. Now, Derek Brown might be able to give Jacksonville what they thought they were getting when they got Marcel Darius. When they traded for Marcel Darius, they were hoping they could buy low on a player who had been successful in Buffalo and been one of the best defensive tackles in the league before he signed that mega contract. What if you can get that, what you thought you were getting in Marcel Darius, again? This Jacksonville defense, very, very quietly, is not the team that it was back in 2017. This is not the team that existed with that stellar defense. You know, Jalen Ramsey ain't walking through that door, folks, right? Then, you know, and, and Yannick Ngakwe might get traded on this draft night. You never know. Last year, I had the Chiefs trading the a pick in the 20s for Jadavian Clowney. Now, I was wrong on the player. I was right that they traded it for a an edge rusher because they ended up trading it for Frank Clark. But this is one of those scenarios where we could see something on Thursday night where Yannick Ngakwe gets flipped, and maybe in that case, this even more fills the need to add to that defensive line. I understand they don't play the same position, but in this case, I'm going Derek Brown, interior defensive line, Auburn. There has been a trade with the number 10 overall pick in the 2020 NFL draft. The Atlanta Falcons select Kalevon Chason, edge LSU. Atlanta, in this case, traded 116 and 378 to Cleveland for 110. Why did Cleveland trade out of this spot first off? So I'm Cleveland. I'm here on the board. And I think the Browns fans need to prepare themselves for the return of Sashi Brown in mentality because that analytics community fully believes that more bites at the apple is better than less bites at the apple. The further and the deeper you get into analytics world, the more you get into more picks is better than less picks just because more swings is better than less swings. And so if I'm able to get that, only move down six spots, that drop-off in talent is not equivalent to the fact that I get an extra bite at the apple. Now, there's other teams who don't believe that, most notably Brandon Bean and the Buffalo Bills, Dave Gettleman and the New York Giants. These are people who believe so strongly in their scouting process that they're willing to trade up and very rarely, if not ever, trade down. However, in this case... I think that there are three people, I was I was in Atlanta in this case, and I'm Cleveland. So Cleveland has a reason to trade down. Now, what's the reason for Atlanta to trade up? Now, Atlanta saw Kinlaw and Brown go eight and nine, and there's probably three people they're looking at on the defensive line who can immediately come in and upgrade. Atlanta has been trying to upgrade their defensive line for as long as I can remember. 
And they're somebody who has taken all sorts of options to try to do it. They've tried it interior. They've tried it exterior. Vic Beasley didn't work out the way they were hoping to. Kalevon Chason is not Vic Beasley. For the Falcons fans who think that, he's not. Vic Beasley did not show the power at all that Kalevon Chason did. Vic Beasley needs to be able to shoot gaps. He needs to be able to run. He needs to be able to play in space. The lack of physicality is notably there. I've oftentimes said I actually think Vic Beasley is better as a linebacker than he is as a defensive end because I think he needs to be able to run to space. I think a weak side linebacker actually would be ideal for someone like Vic Beasley. However, the Atlanta Falcons say, okay, there are three defensive linemen that I feel good about being able to upgrade this team. Kinlaw, Brown, and Chason, and C.J. Henderson. All three of those players, aside from Clavon Chason, are gone. So Atlanta gets a little bit desperate. Okay, I'm sitting there at 16. I'm Atlanta, and I go, no, 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 no. I need one of these four players. I need them to upgrade this defense. I need to be able to give an immediate impact pass rusher to Dan Quinn. Otherwise, we might all lose our jobs next year. I'm trading up. To 10, I'm taking Clavon Chase on. And if the Browns, I'm going, absolutely, I'll take that extra third. So that's how that trade came together in my mind. With the number 11 pick, the New York Jets select Jerry Judy, wide receiver, Alabama. If it was me, I would take a tackle here. The fact that there are no tackles on on, on that have gone off the board at this point. All the tackles are there. If it was me, I would take a tackle. However, the Jets have shown, based on last offseason, I understand different GM, but the Jets have shown a propensity for a little bit more flash. And with the fact that their only offensive weapon adjustment was losing Robbie Anderson and taking Brashad Perryman, and they signed a lot of offensive linemen in free agency. Now, we can make an argument over the quality of the caliber of offensive linemen that they signed, but they may view that as being an addressed need more so than the wide receiver court. I think Jerry Judy fits the New York Jets system. I think that he fits with Adam Gase as much as you possibly can fit with someone like Adam Gase, and I think that he's ready to come in right now professionally and be a route runner that is necessary to be able to help Sam Darnold. I think that the New York Jets at this point are probably more concerned with weapons than they are offensive tackles, and that's the way I'm going. There has been a trade with the number 12 pick in the 2020 NFL Draft. The Philadelphia Eagles select CeeDee Lamb, wide receiver, Oklahoma. Philadelphia traded 121, 253, and 4146 to Las Vegas for 112. The Eagles are crazy aggressive. The Eagles are super aggressive. They'll trade up, they'll trade down, they'll move all over the place. Howie Roseman does not believe in staying put and letting the board come to you. He believes in the fact that he's going to force the board, and if it's not something there that he likes, he's going to trade back. Howie Roseman is a significant mover and shaker. And in this case, the Philadelphia Eagles lack at wide receiver. I think I think it won't be the downfall of Carson Wentz. If you look at Carson Wentz over the last seven weeks in 2019, he performed really, really well with very, very poor talent. Carson Wentz is a franchise quarterback, ladies and gentlemen. He can perform without there being crazy, crazy talent around him. He's shown that already. However, the Eagles are in win-now mode. The Eagles thought coming into last year they had Super Bowl aspirations, and that's not how it ended up happening. And CeeDee Lamb is the type of receiver who can give you that yak that you value so much in Philadelphia that people like Alshon Jeffrey did not give you. If you want to run RPO game, if you want to get the ball into somebody's hands quickly and be able to let them do the damage and make the job easier for your quarterback, which the Eagles do want to do, CeeDee Lamb is your kind of guy. One, two, and a four to move up from 21 to 12. Yeah, okay, that sounds a little bit heavy. But again, why does Vegas want to trade down? Because there's got to be, you got to have two partners, right? So we know why the Eagles want to trade up. Why does Vegas want to trade down? I mentioned to you that the people who are most likely to trade down are people who feel very secure in their jobs. When you have a coach on a 10-year, $100 million contract, you're very secure in your job. In addition to that, and if it doesn't go well, Gruden's just going to blame Mayock anyway. That's the way this is going to happen. So Las Vegas is willing to take that 
and trade down, knowing that they probably want some ammunition to be able to rebuild that team a little bit faster. So that's why Vegas goes backwards. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. There has been another trade with the 13th overall pick in the 2020 NFL Draft. The Denver Broncos select Henry Ruggs, wide receiver, Alabama. That's right, three wide receivers in a row in this mock. Denver trades 115 and 4118 to San Francisco for 113. Why did Denver move up? Denver moved up to block other people from moving up. They moved up because in this case, I'm sitting here, I need Henry Ruggs. That's the huge target for me if I'm the Denver Broncos. That's the thing I think can help take Drew Locke to the next level. If I go into next year, Drew Locke has Cortland Sutton as his number one wide receiver, and that's good. Cortland Sutton is a great young player, but we need a different dynamic across from him. And I really feel like Henry Ruggs is someone that they would be significantly interested in. I want to get ahead of Tampa Bay, who might be looking at wide receiver to help Tom Brady really take advantage. I know they have two of the best in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, but you know Bruce Arians is going to throw the ball out of the stadium this year. You might have to handcuff him down to stop him from throwing the ball 50 times a game with Tom Brady and those weapons. So you want to get ahead of Tampa Bay. In addition, you want to block other people from moving up. You want to block people like the Dallas Cowboys from moving up. You want to block people like Miami from moving up from 18. These are the players who might be in play for that pick. And if you can spend an extra four and get your guy and not have to leave it to chance, that's something I think that John Elway would want to do. John Elway has shown the level of aggression necessary to be able to make sure he gets his guy. And that's what he's doing in this case. Now, why does San Francisco move back? San Francisco says, listen, I could just take Henry Ruggs myself. The only reason you move back if you're San Francisco is because you don't want to take a wide receiver. Now, I think that with Henry Ruggs, I think that'd be a great fit in San Francisco. I can see them taking him. But in this case, San Francisco says, we were just in the Super Bowl. I really, really want to make sure that the Chiefs pass rush does not cause problems for me again if we see them again. This is a scenario where I want to tackle and none of the tackles have gone off the board. So if I'm San Francisco and I say, listen, I was going to take a tackle anyway, and none of the tackles have gone off the board, then let's might as well, we might as well move back two picks, pick up an extra fourth round pick, and guarantee myself one of the top four tackles because there's no possible way that all tackles can go in the next one pick. So that's why I move back as a San Francisco 49er. With the 14th, Overall pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers select Andrew Thomas, offensive tackle, Georgia. The Tampa Bay Bucs are going to protect Tom Brady. They understand where they're in right now. The situation that they're in is, this is Super Bowl. Let's go get a Super Bowl ring for Tampa Bay. We have Tom Brady. You didn't get him in here to rebuild. Andrew Thomas could be the most NFL ready of the offensive tackles. And I think that even though he's not my offensive tackle one, that's not what this is about. This isn't lining everything up with what Bruce thinks perfectly. This is about understanding that situations are different based on teams. 
And with Tampa Bay wanting to win now, Andrew Thomas can plug and play. He's got the necessary length to be able to step right in against NFL quality pass rushers that he faced in the SEC and be able to be the type of tackle you need to protect uh, an immobile quarterback who's in his 40s. This is a slam dunk for Tampa Bay. I think that there is a line of thinking that they could go wide receiver just to make sure they put the cherry on top, which is what I had discussions about previously when I was making a maneuver for the Denver Broncos. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking Thomas feels like the fit of the draft so far. With the 15th pick in the 2020 NFL draft, the San Francisco 49ers select Tristan Wirfs, offensive tackle, Iowa. Tristan Wirfs is a freak. He is an absolute freak. I'm not sure if any of you all saw the combine, but he is an absolute freak. And the 49ers need to make sure that in order to get what they need to get, you got to make sure you have freaky offensive linemen. Being able to move in space with the run game concepts that Kyle Shanahan likes to draw up with the jet motion, having freaky movement athletes at offensive tackle fits the system. And if he's here at 15, I think they'll be doing backflips. The only reason that I think they didn't pull the trigger at 13 is because Denver wanted to come up in this scenario. And that's what happened. They said, well, you know, we're guaranteed to get either Werfs or the freaky, the freaky of the freaky, you know, someone like Mekhi Becton. So they think, okay, we're going to trade back two picks. We're going to get one of those two guys. And we're going to feel comfortable with those players. So Tristan Werfs is the pick, offensive tackle, Iowa. With the 16th overall pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Cleveland Browns select Makai Becton, offensive tackle, Louisville. They traded down from 10 to 16. They still get the player that I think they probably wanted to get at 10 anyway. If you watch Makai Becton run outside zone plays and absolutely dominate with that length and the ability to reach block, and then you watch Kevin Stefanski's offensive system in Minnesota, and you watch how often he loves to run that play, this is a fantastic fit. The thing that Makai Becton does the best is the thing that Kevin Stefanski loves to do. I love this pick for the Cleveland Browns. I think the positional value is there, so it lines up with the analytics when it comes to that. And Baker Mayfield got smacked around last year. And I think that... The biggest disservice that John Dorsey did was not bringing in Odell Beckham. It was trading away valuable offensive linemen in order to get defensive linemen that really didn't do what you wanted them to do. Kevin Zeitler needed to be a part of that team in 2019, and he didn't. And here we have Andrew Barry correcting the mistakes of John Dorsey by making sure he reinforces that offensive line. With the 17th pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Dallas Cowboys select Cesar Ruiz, interior offensive lineman, Michigan. The Dallas Cowboys were not prepared for Travis Frederick to go down. And when you invested that kind of money in Ezekiel Elliott, which we've gone on record as saying I'm not in favor of that kind of contract for Ezekiel Elliott. However, if you're going to do that, you got to make sure that your offensive line can play. Travis Frederick being able to walk away from the game is not something that the Dallas Cowboys were likely prepared for, and it's not something that they're likely happy with. He is one of the main reasons why Ezekiel Elliott was able to produce the way he was able to produce. And I think that the Dallas Cowboys, very low key, I think that Jerry Jones kind of gets... He gets a rap that he doesn't deserve. Now, there's lots of things you can say about Jerry Jones, but I think that this narrative that he likes flashy, sexy picks has kind of been weird the last couple of years because that hasn't necessarily been the case since he started to take more of the advice of Stephen Jones and more more advice of his scouts. I think that he has been someone who's been willing to take interior offensive line high and build the interior of that offensive line around players of this caliber. So Cesar Ruiz is the pick. I think that it helps plug and play. And when you have a team that wants to win now, you can take offensive linemen. That's what you want to do when you have a team that wants to win now. And when you have a quarterback like Dak Prescott and you pay the running back that you paid and you paid Amari Cooper $20 million a year, you want to win now. And when you want to win now, you can take interior offensive linemen. With the 18th pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Miami Dolphins select Jedrick Wills, 
offensive tackle Alabama. I was very, very angry as a Bills fan that Jedrick Wills was there at 18. He is my offensive tackle number one in this class. And to see him go to Miami in this scenario, I was I was very upset. I, I wanted to actually pick somebody different than this so I could feel better as a Bills fan, but it would have been intellectually dishonest for me to do so. Jedrick Wills is powerful as crap. He is violent. He moves well in space. He's agile. There is some questions about his shoulders, which I think is one of the reasons why he's there at 18. But the value is too good at this point of out of position of need. And when you're Miami and you take a quarterback at number five, your first priority is protect him and get him weapons. Make his job easier. And one of the best things you can do is take a player who will make the quarterback's job easier, especially when you get somebody who has a tendency to kind of hold the ball a little bit more. And, you know, Justin Herbert's one of those players. And when you have Jedrick Wills, you can hold the ball a little bit longer because he's such a good offensive tackle. The number 19 pick goes to the Las Vegas Raiders after they traded down and they select A.J. Terrell, cornerback, Clemson. No, it's not. They're not having them reach for a Clemson player because they reached for a Clemson player last year. But Mike Mayock has overly shown his affinity for Clemson players. A.J. Terrell is one of those players. In addition, this is a position of need for the Raiders. And I think that A.J. Terrell's national championship game, I think, is overwhelming other people's opinions of him. He had a bad game. That's absolutely true. But Corners having bad games against Georgia Southern is not the same as him having a bad game in college against Lamar Chase and that LSU wide receiver core, which has Justin Jefferson, who's probably going to be a first round pick spoiler for the rest of this pod. But Justin Jefferson, Lamar Chase, these are players, Joe Burrow making dime throws. If you go back and watch that game, it's actually not as bad as the stats would indicate for AJ Terrell. I think that people are getting... Overly low on him. I do think this is a little bit of a reach. He is not, in my opinion, the 19th graded player, but that doesn't mean that it's going to stop the Vegas Raiders from being able to take him at a position where I think, hey, you know what? They already traded down. And I think when you trade down, you're actually more apt to reach because you think, well, I already got the value, right? I already got the value. And I think the Bills did that when they traded down and took EJ Manuel. And that was a pretty significant reach, in my opinion. But you're more likely to reach, I think, after you trade down because you think, well, I already got the value there from trading back. And that's where I go with the Raiders at number 19. With the 20th overall pick in the NFL draft, the Jacksonville Jaguars select Christian Fulton, cornerback, LSU. I mentioned Jalen Ramsey isn't walking through that door and we need to rebuild things right now. Again, this is one of those scenarios where you have to think about the team and where they are in their life cycle. Marone and Tom Coughlin won't make it if the team bottoms out this year. But if they get two impact defensive starters and they can show promise and someone like Gardner Minshew maybe takes the next step, they think, okay, I can buy myself time in this job because the needle is pointing up. And that's what they want to do. And if you can come in and get somebody, rookie corners have had good success over the last couple of years. Marshawn Lattimore and Trey White were right there for rookie of the year defensive wise. And that's a sorry. I mean, Ronald Darby was in the play for, <laughs> for defensive player of the year when he came out for the Bills. And so I think that understanding the life cycle of the Jaguars and understanding what they need to do to buy themselves time and to be able to build the team in such a way where they can go to ownership at the end of 2020 and say, listen, the arrow is pointing up. You can't fire me now. I think Christian Fulton fits in that. Christian Fulton is a good player. I think he's better than A.J. Terrell. I have him markedly higher graded than A.J. Terrell. But he gives you that ability to play press man that Jacksonville has loved to do so much. But in addition... It makes you think, okay, we've at least partially dealt with the fact that we traded away Jalen Ramsey and we don't have to pay him that ridiculous contract that the Rams are going to pay him. We traded him at the right time. We backfilled the spot. I think this is the pick for Jacksonville. With the 21st overall pick, the Las Vegas Raiders select Patrick Queen, linebacker 
LSU. I mentioned that the Raiders' defense was not great, Bob. I mentioned that. And I think that Mayock is in tune with the NFL enough that Patrick's, Patrick Queen ends up being the first linebacker off the board because he's better in coverage than someone like Kenneth Murray, who's really a downhill guy. And I think that Las Vegas is one of those teams where they believe so strongly in Gruden's offensive prowess that they have to get the horses on the defensive side of the board. I think that there's two ways to look at this. The first one is Gruden saying, I'm an offensive guy, give me offensive weapons. And the second thing is, I'm an offensive guy. I believe so strongly in my system and my ability to scheme offense that I'm okay with being able to work with what I have because I'm so arrogant that I believe I can do this. Get me the players on the defensive side of the ball because my defensive coordinator clearly needs the help. You know, it's one of those things, lines of thinking. And so in this case, I'm going with Patrick Queen from Las Vegas, for Las Vegas, from LSU. I think he's the probably one of the better coverage linebackers in the draft. I do think it might be a little bit of a reach, but again, already traded down. I would like to wonder if Las Vegas wants to trade down for picks next year so that they can set themselves up to be able to trade up and get a quarterback. But in this case, they stay put. With the 22nd overall pick, In the 2020 NFL Draft, the Minnesota Vikings select Jeff Gladney, cornerback, TCU. Gladney and Mike Zimmer is too good of a fit. It's just too good of a fit. This is the pick that was supposed to go to the Buffalo Bills, but now they don't have Stephon Diggs. Now, that doesn't mean they're not going to take a wide receiver here. They absolutely could. But if they look at their list and they go, okay, all right, here we are. So I need a corner and I need a wide receiver, but which one do I want to pick first? Well, I think that that's based on what they think is going to go on behind them. And if you look at New Orleans, and if you look at New England, who's sitting behind them, you think, okay, what what position do I want to take first? And I think that Gladney is probably somebody who's ranked higher than someone like Justin Jefferson, Denzel Mims. You start to get into the next tier of wide receivers. In addition, I think the need at corner is really, really serious for the Vikings. I think it's way more significant than the need at wide receiver too, because you have another player at wide receiver in Adam Thielen that you feel really good about and who has great chemistry with your cornerback, with your quarterback, Kirk Cousins. However, the cornerback cupboard is basically bare, and we know that Mike Zimmer is just looking for a reason to take a first-round corner. I mean, just just give me a reason at that point. You know, he's singing in the back. You know, I don't think Zimmer really is a is a pop music fan, but if he was, he'd be singing "Just Give Me a Reason" in the background because he desperately wants to be able to take a first-round corner. Well, he gets the right value here in Jeff Gladney from TCU. He's a physical guy. He loves to come up and tackle. Zimmer would not take C.J. Henderson. But Gladney's feistiness and his ability to fight people in the routes. I mentioned previously that Gladney's film against Hakeem Butler from last year from Iowa State, one of the most impressive cornerback films. He'll fight you tooth and nail. And if you don't get someone like Amik Robertson with that mentality later on in the draft, you get Gladney at 22. There has been a trade. The Indianapolis Colts have traded up with the New England Patriots. Indianapolis trades 234, 4-122, and 6-193 to New England for 123. And with that pick, the 23rd pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Indianapolis Colts select Jordan Love, quarterback, Utah State. The Colts said they're not going to force it. I don't think they are going to force it. But when, when Jordan Love falls this far... I think that that's something that the Colts could trade up and get. I really do. I think that the Colts are a team that truly believes they have the roster to win now. And that's why they got Phillip Rivers. However, however, Phillip Rivers is a one-year rental and everybody knows it. Phillip Rivers is not going to give you another five years. He might not even give you the entirety of this year. The Colts need to plan for the future. And if you have a quarterback in place that you like, and you wanted to take someone who needs further development, Jordan Love could be your guy. Jordan Love is this year's Josh Allen. He trailed off a little bit this year because he lost a ton of his production 
at the receiver and running back position, just like Josh Allen did from 17 to 18. That's the way it was for Jordan Love. And so you're really buying traits. Some of the most impressive throws made by this quarterback draft class were made by Jordan Love. And so I think that the Colts are going to look at that and say, 23 overall, we weren't expecting him to fall this far, but because of the run on tackles and the run on wide receivers, which could alternate, you know, you could have the tackles go first and then the receivers, or you could have the receivers go first and then the tackles like I have in this example. So in this case, the Colts trade up. Why did the Patriots trade back? Patriots are in full rebuild, baby. And the reason why I think that they're not going to spend everything and go up and get Tua is because Belichick knows. Belichick knows he's got time. Belichick knows that he can take a team like this, trade down, which he's been known to do all the time, and get the assets this year and rebuild the roster faster. You can rebuild the roster faster with two, four, and six than you can with a one. And the Patriots roster needs help, and it needs help now. Now, I know the Patriots already have a lot of picks, and they're going to have a lot of picks, but that's been the Patriots' M.O., a lot of picks, swing a lot of times, make it happen. And why would the Patriots not just take Jordan Love? Like, that's the next question. If Jordan Love's on the board at 23, why would the Patriots not just take him? And the answer to that question for me is, if they don't take him, he ends up being good. Or if the Patriots end up being bad this year, no one gets fired. That's the mentality here. If the Patriots are bad this year, nobody gets fired. Because Belichick can write his own ticket. In New England, they're not going to suddenly forget about the rings. Now, they're really spoiled Boston fans, so they might. But the organization's not going to forget about the rings just because he had one bad year. Belichick's probably thinking right now, holy crap, if I have a bad year, I get a high pick. I get to pick my own quarterback. I would rather have QB2 or QB1 next year high in 2021 than I would take QB4 right now at the 23rd overall pick. When you have security, you can have a longer-term vision of your job and your plan. And in my opinion, that's what Belichick has here, which is why when I put on my Belichick hat and I put myself in his shoes, I said, I got time, baby. Let's trade down. Let's get more players. Let's inject more talent into the roster, and let's do this thing again. With the 24th pick, in the 2020 NFL Draft, the New Orleans Saints select Justin Jefferson, wide receiver LSU. Mike Thomas needs a running mate. When you have Drew Brees coming down the home stretch, you take offensive skill position players who you think are ready now. Justin Jefferson, I think, is ready now. His ability to play out of the slot makes him ready now. He's not someone who has a bunch of physical tools who needs to learn how to run a route tree. Justin Jefferson can run a route tree. Justin Jefferson can separate in the intermediate areas. Justin Jefferson can take the pressure off Michael Thomas. And when you're in the New Orleans Saints and you think to yourself, you know what? I, Jordan Love went ahead of me, which is one of the reasons why Indianapolis jumped ahead of him. I'm still not necessarily buying the love that the New Orleans Saints have for Taysom Hill. I don't understand it quite yet, but I refuse to believe they truly believe that he's the the next thing to come along after Drew Brees. I just don't believe it yet. So in this case, the Colts traded in front of them to be able to pick up Jordan Love. The Saints said, listen, I'm not going to reach for you know QB5 at this point, so let's get someone who can help me right now and can be a dynamic complement to Michael Thomas, and that's Justin Jefferson. With the 25th overall pick, in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Minnesota Vikings select Denzel Mims, wide receiver, Baylor. The Vikings came into this saying, I need a corner, I need a wide receiver. They ended up getting both. They got Gladney at 22, they got Denzel Mims at 25. Denzel Mims was not going to be available later. I think that a lot of people thought early in the process he could be a second, third round pick. After the combine, after a lot of things that have happened since then, I think Denzel Mims goes this high. Now, we have five receivers at this point who went in the first round. I actually think that's about right. I really do. I think this is about right. I think that you might see a sixth slip in, but in this case, spoiler alert for the rest of my picks, I have five wide receivers 
going in this class. Denzel Mims physically has everything that you want. And I think that when you look at a dynamic player like that, teams are going to look at DK Metcalf last year and not want to make the same mistake they made before. Denzel Mims could be that type of player without the medical red flags that came along with DK Metcalf, which is the reason I was out on him personally last year. Denzel Mims has the side, has the ability to run past people. Obviously, coming from Baylor, the route tree needs to be developed. I think he does get get pushed around a little bit more. But when you have a dynamic athlete like that, you take a shot at someone like that, especially as a wide receiver too, as someone who can run some of the deeper routes in the Minnesota Vikings system while Adam Thielen plays a lot more underneath. You can have someone like Denzel Mims take the top off the defense and really not have to worry about teams collapsing down on Thielen the way that you might be concerned they would be if you don't have Stephon Diggs. With the 26th overall pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Miami Dolphins select Xavier McKinney, safety Alabama. Rashad Jones ain't there anymore, folks. This is a player that I think Miami is going to value and him being there at 26. He was too good for me to not be able to pull the trigger when I'm wearing the Miami GM hat. I think that if you look at the Miami defense, you look at New England and that's someone who values secondary play. That's why you're not getting AJ Epinesa right here. The Patriots and by extension, the Detroit Lions and by extension, the the Tennessee Titans and by extension, the Miami Dolphins. You have to look at these coaches and the things that they value and New England and Miami by extension, I think will end up valuing defensive back play more than line play. In addition, they got Shaq Lawson, who I think is going to be a great fit in that system in Miami already this offseason. But that safety position is something that really, really, really is highly valued. And with Xavier McKinney still being on the board at 26, too good, too good of an opportunity. This is someone who can have a a McCourty sort of effect on that Miami defense the way that that has been in New England. And I think that Devin McCourty is a good example for how that how that regime and by the extension how the offshoots of that regime can value secondary play. Xavier McKinney was too good to pass up for me at number 26 overall to Miami. With the 27th pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Seattle Seahawks take Yeter Gross Matos, edge rusher, Penn State. They weren't able to get Jadavian Clowney back. They just weren't able to get that kind of player that they wanted. I don't think that Jadavian Clowney is the type of player that Seattle wanted to invest $20 million a year in. I think they had too many concerns, too many red flags. As of the recording of this podcast, he is still unsigned. And a lot of people have concerns. He's probably hoping to hold out until something happens on draft day. Somebody doesn't get a player that they want. Seattle doesn't want to be pinned in a corner. I mentioned to you that Seattle fans are not happy about losing Quentin Jefferson to the Buffalo Bills because there were some arguments to be made. He was the best defensive lineman from a pass rushing standpoint that they had last year. Seattle Seahawks want to get more pressure on the quarterback. Yitro Gross Matos is the archetype. He is tall. He is explosive. He is long. He needs to be polished. But again, you can take players who need to be polished a little bit more when you're confident in your job security. And as long as you have Russell Wilson carrying your team to the playoffs every year, you can be confident in your draft philosophy, being able to take longer tail players. With the 28th overall pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Baltimore Ravens select Kenneth Murray, linebacker, Oklahoma. The the loss of C.J. Mosley was notable for the Ravens. The Ravens had a good defense last year, but losing that off-ball linebacker who can run downhill and make tackles, that was notable for the Baltimore Ravens. I think Kenneth Murray is a perfect fit in what Baltimore wants to do with that defense and have people who can run downhill. I do question his ability to play in space as a coverage linebacker, but he is athletic. So it's it's not a matter of whether or not he can do it. We might think he can do it. He just hasn't had to do it a lot. And I don't think you've seen Kenneth Murray in the type of things that you're going to see at the pro level unless you go to a team like Baltimore, who really is heavy blitz, 
Make sure you're playing downhill. Make sure you're attacking. You can ask Kenneth Murray to do less of the things he's bad at if you take him than if he went to a team like the Bills. If you went to a team like the Bills, you're going to ask him to do things that we don't know if he can do yet. If you go to the Ravens, the Ravens can put you in a position where you can only do the thing you do well, which is run downhill, be athletic, make plays. Kenneth Murray is the pick for me at Baltimore at 28. With the 29th overall pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the New England Patriots select A.J. Epinesa, Edge, Iowa. A.J. Epinesa is not a fit with every team. He's not going to be a fit with every single team who wants to take a defensive linebacker. you got to have the right thing for him. And I think that New England, I mentioned Tennessee, I mentioned Miami. These are the places where I can see a player like A.J. Epinesa fitting in. San Francisco is another one of those places, but he didn't get there to 31 overall. I think that <clears throat> I think Eric Armstead is someone who you look at that tall, long, not necessarily bendy. You think, okay, we need to make sure we have a system that prioritizes the things that A.J. Epinesa does well and minimizes the things he doesn't do well. If you want somebody who's going to be super bendy, off the edge and be able to win with that agility, be able to motorcycle turn. That's not something he does, but that's not something that the New England Patriots are really going to ask you to do a lot. They're historically, Eric Flowers, I think, is probably the ceiling for A.J. Epinesa. And if you're somebody who believes in that archetype, then you're going to believe in A.J. Epinesa at 29th overall. With the 30th overall pick, In the 2020 NFL Draft, the Green Bay Packers select Josh Jones, offensive tackle, Houston. The Green Bay Packers, very low-key, had a really good season last year. People, it's weird. It's almost like they're flying completely under the radar and people forget that they went to the NFC Championship game. Like, we're just kind of forgetting about them entirely. And you want to get more protection for Aaron Rodgers. You lost Brian Bulaga in the offseason. Josh Jones is someone who you think is worthy of being a first-round pick. He, I don't think he's in the same class as the top four, but there's a lot of discussion as to who offensive tackle five is, and I think that there's probably going to be a strange tiering where we had tackles kind of go in a row there in the middle of the first round. We might have a second run on tackles. Bottom of first, top of second, or top of second, mid to second. We might have a second run of tackles where all the people who were previously grouped together in that who is your OT5 discussion, all of them could go right there. Someone like Josh Jones, Ezra Cleveland, Isaiah Wilson, Austin Jackson, all those people could go right now. Austin Jackson is somebody who is commonly mocked in the first round. I have him falling out of the first round. I I think that the athleticism is there, but I don't see anybody in the back half of this first round who says, okay, I want a developmental tackle. Somebody who's got the athleticism, but I really... I really think that that he, I, he can be a player now. If, if you're in the back half of the first round, you're probably there because you're a good team, which means you probably want someone to take you over the hump, which means you're less likely to take someone with a crazy long tail to them. Someone who's, okay, really, really developmental. Now, the Seahawks are the exception to that rule in this case because the Seahawks have a really glaring need at edge rusher and they're willing to take someone who needs some polish as a YouTube gross models. But as a general rule, if you're in the back half of the first round, you're probably there because you're a really good team and you probably want that extra pick to get you over the top. That's not what Austin Jackson is. That might be what Josh Jones is and that's the reason why I've got Green Bay taking him at number 30 overall. With the 31st pick, In the 2020 NFL Draft, the San Francisco 49ers select Jalen Johnson, cornerback, Utah. Richard Sherman is not going to hold up forever. And I think Jalen Johnson is a perfect fit to be able to come into that after coming from Utah and be able to be in that San Francisco defense and be able to fill the role for Richard Sherman. But in addition, make sure that you can get some man coverage ability. Richard Sherman did not do well 
in the Super Bowl in man coverage. And when you asked him to do that, there were some struggles. You need to be able to play man coverage. And if you can have Jalen Johnson, who can do the things that Richard Sherman can do, but can also be sticky in man, you have the ability to match up against those explosive passing offenses, which was the Achilles heel for San Francisco in 2020, specifically in the Super Bowl. You have a tendency when you're a Super Bowl contender to take players to match up against specific other teams. Jalen Johnson needs to be on the field for the 49ers to be able to get past some explosive passing offenses in the NFC. Someone like the Saints, someone like the Eagles, someone like the Packers. You have to be able to get past Carson Wentz. You have to be able to get past Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper. You have to be able to get past Drew Brees, Michael Thomas, and now Denzel, uh, sorry, Justin Jefferson added to that. You have to be able to get past Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen and, and now Denzel Mims. I think the 49ers ended up with two great fits in Tristan Wirfs and Jalen Johnson here and people who can help them win right now. With the 32nd overall pick in the 2020 NFL draft, the Kansas City Chiefs select DeAndre Swift running back Georgia. I really wanted to trade down here. I really, really, really wanted to trade down here when I was the Chiefs because I needed to pick up more assets. I just didn't get any bites. I was looking for people in the second round and I was putting on my second round top hats, right? Cincinnati, Tennessee, Detroit, the Giants, Chargers, Miami, Houston, Carolina, Cleveland, Jacksonville, Chicago. And I was like, who wants to trade up to 32? And the first thing I thought was, does someone want to trade up to get a quarterback? Because the first thing you would think is that fifth-year option on a quarterback means a lot. And I didn't see a, a team who would be a fit in the second round who would want to trade up into that 30-second spot to pick a quarterback. I don't think there's value there. And I didn't have anyone graded like that when I was these teams. The second thing was, I thought, goodness gracious, they're, gonna, they're in win-now mode. DeAndre Swift has gotten some Brian Westbrook-ish sort of comparisons and we know how much Andy Reid loved Brian Westbrook in Philadelphia. Being able to be someone who I don't think runs the best routes in the class. I think Clyde Edwards-Alaire does that. But DeAndre Swift could have the most natural hands. And having a three-down running back is one of those things that you can select if you are a Super Bowl contender. And they just won the Super Bowl. If you want to say, okay, we won the Super Bowl. The window is open. The window is open right now. There has never been a better reason to take a running back high than the Kansas City Chiefs have it. They have a great roster. They can win the Super Bowl every year for the next three years if they if they really, really put it together. They have a great roster, but LaShawn McCoy didn't work out the way they wanted to. He was a healthy scratch toward the end of the year. And DeAndre Swift is someone who has the mentality to come in and take a back seat. He doesn't have to come in and be the focal point of the offense. He can come in and be on the field all the time, but not necessarily get the ball all the time. He can pass block. He can catch out of the backfield. He can help take the Kansas City offense to yet another stratospheric level, if you can imagine that. And that's something that I really wanted to get done as Andy Reid. And I have the window open. Let's go get it right now. Now, that concludes the first part of this 2020 mock draft extravaganza that I have dropped on you today. Stay tuned. Because tomorrow, we're going to go through picks 33 through 54, ending up with the Bills' 54th pick, and then we're going to go through the entire rest of the draft as only the Bills. I'm not going to take you through all 255 picks. That would take me uh, seven hours of podcasting, probably more. So I'm not going to subject you to that, quite frankly. But if you do want all 255 picks that I made, complete with trades all the way through the draft you can go to buffalorumblings.com tomorrow if you're listening to this on Wednesday and you can make sure you get all of that including all of the Bills picks. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me for this edition of the Nick and Nolan Show. I hope that this hour-long extravaganza podcast was an enjoyable experience for you. I really enjoyed it. I hope you can tell. You can hear the passion coming out of my voice because I enjoy the methodology. I enjoy explaining the why and figuring it, figuring it out. And it's going to be wrong. 70% of it's probably going to be wrong, but that's going to be fascinating too. That's the wonderful thing. Being right is overrated. Ladies and gentlemen, being right is totally overrated. It's just fun to work through it. And that's what we did today. I hope that you all enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed doing it. Stay tuned. And Nick has a special message for you. I made sure I got this soundbite 
recorded from Nick so that he could have a message to you all, even though he wasn't able to be here. He's here in spirit, and he wanted me to tell you all this. I do the cha-cha like a sissy girl. I like a do the cha-cha. The Current Podcast is back with an exciting new season featuring marketing executives from the world's most influential brands. Tune in to hear what's driving conversation in the fast-moving world of digital advertising with unique insights from brands as diverse as Hilton, Instacart, Moderna, Major League Soccer, and more. And in this presidential election season, The Current explores what a national political advertiser like the National Republican Senatorial Committee and a major CPG brand like Hershey can learn from each other. Listen in and subscribe to The Current at thecurrent.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.